don't know why I say that every time. You know who I am. This is a podcast about racial linguistic ideologies and epistemological whiteness. But what that basically means is I talk generally about whiteness and how it intersects with language, but also I talk about whatever I really want to talk about. A lot of the time that ends up being about the issues I have with academia, which is probably bad as I'm still a student, but whatever. Um, And, you know, various different types of coercive hierarchies and systems that I'm involved in. Uh, yeah, so today we are going to... Well, this is an interesting episode. Before I do that, I want to briefly say um, that I have a new patron. Her name is Emma Trentman, and I thank her very much for her contribution. Anyone who's interested, the link is going to be below the show information, so please contribute if you are able to. Um, I always say with hierarchies, especially if you are a more senior academic, not that you're all academics, but some of you are, please consider supporting a junior. In fact, not even really quite academic because I'm still a student. And what we're going to talk today about is academia and the way that academics, as they are trained to, like to talk about difficult things. I can talk about things. Right now, if you are unaware, there's some terrible things going on in Burma. Um, I'm recording this on February 22nd and 3rd, so I'm not going to be specific about the terrible things because by the time you hear this, the things will have changed. But the point is terrible stuff going on. And there's all these explainers on like Vox and the New York Times and whatever. Usually not from the perspective of the people who live there, because they're trying to be like, you know, covering this disaster from a very American perspective if you are in the United States. But same thing happening if you're in the UK, if you're in Canada, whatever. Um, Meanwhile, we just had our own insurrection and failed coup here in the United States. And we acted like, oh my God, these things do not happen here. Um, And then there's academics having talks about it. These academics are usually not Burmese, nor do they usually speak Burmese. Um, and they just just having talks, just having some talks, you know. Um, so my guest today is Burmese. Uh, her name is Chumei Pai, and she's going to talk a little bit with me, not so much just about what's going on there, because again, it changes every day, and also we don't really need to be trafficking people, trafficking in people's trauma. I don't like to do that very much on my show, but uh, talk about the fact that academics like to talk about difficult things and usually don't really do anything about it um and you if you say well i as an academic i do things great i'm not talking about you but if you made a point of saying that you're probably just as bad uh but the fact that academia is not built to actually challenge any hierarchies and in fact spends most of its time reifying them so we're going to talk about that with respect to burma and some of the things that i research and especially in terms of language and you know different cultures and it's going to be a fun episode all right All right, folks, welcome back to Unstandardized English. I am JPB Gerald. I am here with Chumei Pai. Uh, she, well, I'm going to let her introduce herself and explain all the things that she's doing, but we have a really uh, interesting episode for everybody, so I hope you all enjoy it. So, Chu, if you want to tell the people all the things that you do. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Justin, for uh, inviting me over to his podcast Um so yes, uh, my name is Chumi Bai. I, I just go by Chu, and I'm currently a PhD student in cultural anthropology at University of Colorado Boulder. Uh, but I'm also the alma mater at City University of New York, Queens College, 
and currently also teaching there as an adjunct professor or adjunct instructor, I think we'll call it, you know, in uh, the Department of Language and Communication Disorders. So that's the term, which is really weird. So disorders. Yeah, communication disorder sounds really, I, I feel it really, <laughs> I don't know, uncomfortable to say it, but you know, that's the title. So. Yeah. I have yeah. thoughts about the disorder thing. You know that the book I'm yeah. writing is about all of that. So, you know, anyway, we've done about that in separate time. Um, all right. So, and some of the, what are the, some of the things that you've been, you know, looking at for, you know, your research and so forth. And we'll talk about what is research, but, you know, for the right. Yes, yes. Yeah, I would love to talk about that. Uh, so actually, I transfer, I switched kind of after my second year in PhD program from linguistic to anthropology. So previously, I was interested in looking at kind of how the primary ethno-religious majority in Burma, in Myanmar, in Southeast Asia, kind of recruit, you know, this sense of uh, intimacy with the official ethno-religious minority called Rakhine which is in the, uh, in the country's northwestern part of the state, right? And in, uh, how do they recruit, the, recruit them through the kind of linguistic alliance and then uh, stand uh, themselves against this unofficial, quote-unquote, ethno-religious minority? Now, I, I feel like the whole world is uh, known as Rohingya people. Right. So that was my previous kind of research. I was interested in looking at that. But now I've kind of moved into the cultural anthropology side of things, and I'm more interested in like semiotic more broadly. So right now I'm trying to look at uh, the way people interact with the personal archives of images in their home and how they use those images to remember or to, you know, um, envision the future, the democratic future in Myanmar. But it's just so happened that right now we're in the middle of the military coup in Myanmar. So I cannot really tell what people are envisioning right now and what I'm even envisioning for my research anymore. So yes, that's what I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so one thing uh, I've heard, I, I know this, uh, people obviously refer to Myanmar and Burma, right? But from, when I was talking to you earlier, you, you referred to it as Burma, right? So, mm -hmm. um, and I don't know that people know why it would be called one or the other if you can inform people why the right. name was changed, so. <laughs> right, right, sure, yes. So the official name right now is Myanmar, right? Uh, so at the whole uh, time that I grew up in the country, it was called as Myanmar, but a lot of the people in the Western world still refer to Myanmar as Burma because it's part of the colonial legacy, like British, you know, when they were colonizing Burma, they call this a Burma, right? And even they call it with this uh, R in the middle, which is there is no phonetic kind of phonological root in Burmese, they would say like Burma, right? Like So I've, I've been saying but, it. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay yeah I mean I, I hear it all the time so I'm kind of even get used to it now but but the problem with that is some people uh, like to then refer to to the country as this colonial kind of legacy term because they are against the you know the military regime that took over after the colonization so they don't want to use the name Myanmar which literally means Miami fast and Ma means strong so it's this this astrological kind of ways that this military general came up came up with the term to, you know, again, prophesize the future of Obama as first and strong nation, right? So 
but then the, on the other side, there's some people are like, okay, we don't really want to call the gantry Bama because that means like we're stay using this British colonial legacy. So I kind of go back and forth <laughs> with these two terms. So that's that's my dilemma. <laughs> See, that's the thing is that I I I was I thought I was being smart, right? Because okay. um, I know like Cambodia, for example, when you know dictatorship took over there, they started calling it Kampuchea. Right. Mm, yes. And so when I was a child, I had heard it had already changed back, but um, I had heard that there was a time when they called it Kampuchea and like the maps that I had said Kampuchea because that's what had been imposed and they hadn't changed it back yet. Right. Mm, and so when mm. I knew that that some people who are from there would say Burma and some would say Myanmar, I'm like, clearly, clearly it's the same situation. And therefore I should say Burma. <laughs> because the, clearly Myanmar has been more recently imposed and I know because I thought I knew mm. things and I don't know anything. So, uh, you know, <laughs> no, good, no. To, good to know that uh, because it's, it's, it's basically, it's slightly more complicated than that is what, it's, is what the case is. All right, so yeah. now I know that. Now I don't know what to call it, but you know. Uh, you can also go back and forth, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just okay. like me, you know, existential crisis here. Like, yeah. I don't think crisis. Well, because cause sometimes like the, you know, national, and we'll talk about the media and all that, but like the, the, sometimes the national agency are really stuck in the past and like really referring to things in ways that nobody does and then sometimes they really do update their information and they're on point so it's hard mm -hmm. to know right if you're just reading yes. a newspaper and you just see one thing it might be wrong and it might be right it might be right though it's just that mm. usually people don't go into the service to find out you see that like for example they most recently started calling the Czech Republic Czechia right because mm. that's what they called it there um and like you know if you called it that you wouldn't be like wrong it's not like offensive but it's you know these these things they shift and, and you, you you know you have to pay attention and i'm not saying you i mean a person has to mm -hmm, pay attention. Mm -hmm. yes but so yes, spe speaking exactly. of all of these you know the media and stuff because the reason we started having this conversation online a few weeks ago or whatever it was and to the people listening i'm recording this at the end of february so by the time this comes out in a few weeks you know we won't get too specific about exactly what's going on because things may have changed in the, in the next few weeks so you know we'll speak more generally but mm -hmm. is that there are many people for understandable reasons, you know, curious about what's going on. And mm -hmm. what happens when people are curious is they, they want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. uh, but as we know from academia, a lot of the time, especially if the people aren't actually part of the population, uh, mm -hmm. that's about as far as it goes. <laughs> they they, they want <laughs> right. to have a conversation. Uh, maybe they'll watch a, a news clip, you know, or, and they'll, and they'll, you know, you'll see like a, a, a click clickbait list that says like images from the protest images from the and you're like wow right and mm -hmm. it's just like it's interesting it's it's sort of rich for this country of all countries considering they just had a failed coup happen to be talking about these things like they don't happen here but you know right, I guess right this was only exactly was more successful but you know um <laughs> I mean that was really the only difference but you know <laughs> the, the um so yeah I mean like it's just it's it's got to be weird and I feel this way, not in terms of it being a different country, but in terms of like when I read research about like black students and I'm just like, um, I said this in, in, the, in the literacy class I was taking two years ago or a year and a half, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, and we were just reading all these, you know, just 
information about black students. And I finally said in the class, I said, I feel like I'm on display here. Uh, and they all kind of shut up, but because <laughs> you know, the things weren't about me specifically, right? Obviously, but like, it just was, they were talking generally about you know, the black students. And it's like, there's only like two of us in a room. So it just sort of mm. felt like that. So I don't know. I mean, like the way the conversation I sort of jumped in on to ask if you wanted to talk about this was because, you know, you were pointing out that academics really just, they just like to talk. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and especially <laughs> when they're not part of the population. So I just said a lot of things, you know, we, mm -hmm. share what you were mm -hmm. thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think when Justin, right, when you reach out to me like over the social media, I was really actually at that point really frustrated because I mean there is a coup. And I remember the vividly that the time that happened when actually my advisor sent me a text because it was like 6 p.m. here in in uh central time. I'm in the central time US, right? And she just saw this New York Times or, or Washington Post. It was uh, that just came out with, oh, you know, the people who are just being like Aung San Suu Kyi, right? Who's a lot of people know in the West has been detained. And I was super like surprised. It kind of came to me as a shock, even though a week before that, I was already kind of seeing the news about, you know, there, there has been a kind of dispute between the military generals and the Aung San Suu Kyi's party over the election resort. So, then I called my family right away and all that, right? Then the next morning I kind of like woke up and there are all these messages and like kind of like uh, Nanbamis, right? Nanbamis, not even necessarily in the diaspora, but no, not also even from back home. All these texts, texts and messages that I did not know what to do with. So I got really frustrated that, that I felt like at that point people were just tokenizing me for the only Bamis person that they maybe probably ever met, right? Even when I was in New York City in my undergrad, there are so many times people told me when I say, oh, I'm actually Bamis, right? They assume that I'm either Indonesian or, or at like a bare minimum, they think I'm Chinese, right? Because my name is Chu and that's like a very typical, obvious common Chinese name or something like, you know? So, it is, and yeah. Then, right, and then they will be like, even though Chu is the, uh, the kind of like a last name, it would be in Chinese, right? Right, I, this is that's, my first that's, name. that's so, what they yeah. Right, right. So then, uh, then like uh, going back to that, what I was saying is like you know uh, there are so many people even in the city like New York City who for for whom I would be the first Bamis that they they've met, right? So I felt like I need I did not have a space to kind of breathe through all these emotions because all of my family are stay back in Bama, like my friends, like a lot of activist friends. So I was super worried about them. I'm in a very much privileged position here in the U.S., right? You know, military cannot do anything to me right now. So I feel like I need to kind of get connected to them and I need to listen to what's, what's going on over there and I need to talk to the people first before I report to this bunch of like Nambamis white people here asking me like, are you okay? Like, you know, what do you need? Like, I'm like, I don't need anything. Like, do you really care about Obama? Like, I don't know, go find something to donate or something. I don't care right now, I don't need. So I got really angry, yeah, like, you know, so. It's a lot of emotions right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't know. I, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it's, 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 I, it's not the same. Obviously, I've never been in a situation specifically. And to, and you're, I guess, I think the second Burmese person I've met. So you're not first. <laughs> okay. Um, <good. laughs> but, uh, so, you know, but yeah, I think that thing that people do when they're in the dominant group, right? when they know something's going on and they say, huh, 
I know someone that's connected to that. I don't usually talk to them, but I should show them how much I care, <laughs> right? If it's your best friend or something, then they should check in because they would be talking to you anyway, right? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. or your partner or whatever, you know what it is, you know, like yeah. somebody, someone you would be talking to, you should continue to talk to, right? I don't, you know, um, but like this happens all the time. It happened. The whole reason I started teaching all these classes about whiteness is because my friends, well, not my friends, but the like sort of secondary connection people just started asking me questions about racism this summer. And I was like, I'm going to make some money off of this. So <laughs> I was just like, I can't deal with this. Like, I was just like, I just started, I created classes and I was like, this needs, I, I can't just deal with these feelings. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and like, I turned my whole research into, because like to, you know, we talk about research, we can talk about that now is that I mm -hmm. found I was originally going to try to work through like, because I was a language teacher, right? And I was gonna work through like, how could I make these language programs better? You know, because mm -hmm. the programs were not doing very well. Um, and so that would have involved interviewing whatever with these students, right? Who were usually poor, usually, um, at least in New York, they were Mexican, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to say like, how can I make these programs better? But then when people just had all these emotions at me, I said, I need to research them. <laughs> because mm -hmm. we can mm -hmm. talk about the concept of research but like I do think research is in a lot of ways very extractive right you're taking yes. something from people and maybe you give them twenty dollars but you're not really giving them anything you know mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um what you're gonna make your career off of it I mean you but I mean a person right you're gonna make mm -hmm. your academic mm -hmm. career off of this stuff of course yeah. you're getting much more than they're getting they what they get the satisfaction exactly. of being included right um exactly. and so yeah, so yeah, so, and and yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying. So the point is, I I just didn't feel comfortable doing that to people who were my peers or who were you know less mm -hmm. advantaged than I was. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I also actually really hate it. Like there is a movement kind of like in this anthropology, at least right, to decolonize the discipline, and in that process is then to like kind of invite these participants that you're working with to be co-author or something like that. But the point is like for me is just because you include them on the co-authorship doesn't necessarily mean that they are on the same level, right? Because some of the people being like, I mean, publishing in academia, right? Like what we academics are like really so glorified, right? They don't really care too much about that. Like that's not what the community wants. So that's my point, right? But they like, like get homies are like, okay, yeah, no, we, we included this participant to go out there with us on this thing and that thing, but they don't really care about that, you know? Probably there are other things that the community wants more. So I also question that a lot too, like uh, in, you know, earlier in my PhD kind of program, right? And I still don't have my PhD yet, I'm still working on it, but earlier in my PhD program, I've also been kind of like, forced, I would say, like to think about, oh, why don't you study a Rohingya issue, right? So that time, the Rohingya issue was kind of uh, like really gaining a lot of international attention and audience, right? At least also like in the US, right? Um, because all the satellite images of the boat people they are calling came out in like 2012 and on like uh, onward, right? So I started my PhD program in like 2017. And I was like, no, I don't want to study them because they, 
like there are so many white people you wouldn't believe that are studying Rohingya people, not just in Burma, but in uh, Malaysia, in Bangladesh, also in the US now, right? Some of them have, have been like resettled here. Um, that just, I think it's just enough. Like we don't need to know about them anymore. Like we, we need to like first understand how the Burma military has been kind of oppressing them. Like we need to understand that side now, like, you know? So I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to study that. And it, it, within the Burmese context too, I'm a uh, ethno-religious majority, right? So I'm a Burma Buddhist person. Like, so me as a Burma Buddhist person, then also going into the spaces like, you know, Rohingya spaces and then asking them question, and I don't even speak Rohingya, right? Is, is I feel like really problematic, like I cannot do it. But yeah, there were times that it, it kind of feel like this is a popping topic. So we should all jump on the bandwagon and do this thing, like, you know? So, yeah. I saw, um, there's so many call for proposals and conference planning and so on that are about, you know, anti-racists and all that stuff and decolonize and all that stuff. And right. I mean, like when, when I'm critical of this, I like, I, you know, the wrong people hear me and they think that I'm saying, well, I, sh I shouldn't do anything. It's like, mm. that's not true. Uh, you should do stuff, but if you are fundamentally just making the same system slightly different with the same hierarchies and the set, you know, like you, you can, you're not gonna, uh, it doesn't really matter. We, 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 that, that sort of progress is not useless. It's just not the end goal. And I think you, you can't, like the, these are colonial institutions. We can't, you can't just, they're racist institutions. You can't anti-racist like all the way. There, there are certain policies and practices you can change, right? And you mm -hmm. should, right? It would be better for certain things to be true. But I don't think we should ever think that um, decolonization is, 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 you know, finite. Right, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. or I mean, it is finite, but it's just much farther than what it is. You know, we, mm -hmm. we shouldn't think that anti-racism is like, well, we read some books and we change this. And it's like, that doesn't mean that the books being written are bad. Like mm -hmm. we, we need people to do the work, but mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's like what, and I don't know the answer to what would actually make all of the changes, but I know that we need to spend our time really imagining what those big changes are. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I, I, I really want to try to do with some of my work is like try to think beyond like, you know, well, well, Justin, you got into the big journal. It's like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it'd be nice to be gratified to get into the, the big journal, but like, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It literally mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Aside, it matters only in terms of the fact that a school might then say, well, look at him, he's got the, and so it matters to, to that. And yeah, sure, mm -hmm. jobs are good, but like, it, it's it's still like, you know, they kept pointing to me and say, saying like, you know, what is it, the H value, whatever, the H mm. index, you know, I, I talk yeah, about yeah. a lot on here and I'm just like, this is a number you made up. You made this number up. <laughs> and you're just mm -hmm. saying look at that number that number oh the number's higher for that one and I'm just like you made this up and these people are out here and you are getting you have a higher chance first of all of getting to the top journals if you write about something like a ranger right you know mm -hmm. so it's like oh, this is a hot topic right um 
no, no matter whether, and you know, one can debate whether or not good writing is, is subjective, subjective, whatever, but I'm just saying, mm. you know, whether or not you actually tell a compelling story, <laughs> it's just yes. like, they're looking just for the findings, right? It's like, oh. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I sometimes feel uncomfortable even with some, 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 some good friends who are like, you know, French professor who's mostly studied like West African people. And I'm just like, what did you study there? Um, <laughs> just like, and just like, what did you, what did you take? <laughs> right? Because <laughs> that's what, right, I mean, right, right. That's often the question <laughs> with, with, with research a lot of the time is what did you take from them? Right? Because that's what the, mm. the findings really should be is like, um, you know, I don't know what a word for take would be, um, you know, winnings or something like the, the treasure, right? Right, the thing mm -hmm. that you, you know, like you're a pirate, you know. Mm -hmm. Exactly, uh, exactly. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, one thing I also like going off of that, like one thing I found really as I'm getting deep into this whole anthropology thing, right, that I noticed is that also there are a few anthropologists, yes, that remain kind of this uh, in touch with the field, right? Like whatever the field is out there somewhere in the world after they even finished their PhD and everything. But increasingly nowadays, uh, a lot of, I've noticed a lot of um, ethnographer who call themselves ethnographer at least, right? Who actually after getting the PhD, they never really gone back. They have collected these data within the, a year that they did the fee work and they just keep, pushing out articles after push like after articles right from that one year of fee work and that is just like frustrating to me because as a native anthropologist right like somebody who is trying to understand my own society and there's a plethora of information I even need to understand even when I grow up speaking the language and like like grow up my first like spend my first uh, 20 years stay stay I still need to learn a lot more and even then people will tell me right academia will tell me it's still not enough I need to, you need to do a year of fewer. And I'm like, seriously, are you kidding me? Like, so, so all of these information that I, I, I have or grew up with all these cultural knowledge, like, you know, even now I'm far away from home, I'm sitting here, but I see like could read all the slogans I could understand, like, you know, all of this just does not matter. Like it's, it's not, you're stuck from the grounds you like, we are all together. So there is this also, that's that's why like, I feel like this rhetoric of all diversity is just like uh like bullshit. I I don't know. Excuse my language, I guess. But like you know, it, it's like okay, we want to recruit you. We want to now have all these native researcher. We want to be trying uh, like training them to like study all these communities and all that. But then at the end of the day, they actually disregard the experience that, and the knowledge that we brought even before the joining the PhD. That's totally out of the window, like you know. So. But yeah, uh, I don't know if, if you share that uh, sentiment or is it particularly, you know, unique to anthropology or like because you, we have to do fee work. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I'm in a, 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 a different field. Technically, I'm in education studies, right? Because um, mm. I was a teacher. Um, and so they, because I'm getting an, an EDD, you know, mm -hmm. still a doctorate, you know, uh, mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. um, I... And they gave me an option to do a couple of things. I could do a traditional dissertation, which would be oh. pretty much what you would expect. Um, mm -hmm. Or I could write three articles based on research, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily change the amount of research. It just changes the writing. 
but right. I don't have any patience. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. I'm a very impatient person. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, but what happened is like, I, I hit on this. I really, I just wanted to do this calm series of, you know, whether it's interview surveys, whatever. I, had, I didn't figure out the method yet. Um, this is years ago. And I was going to interview and like work on these like community language teaching programs. And it was going to be a very calm thing. And I hoped at best that if I published it, whether it was a journal or a book or something, um, I could get that information to other community programs and they would do better. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a very straightforward, modest, calm goal. You know, I would be the person who made these community programs have better attendance. That was going to be the thing because that was numerical. And I thought that, well, you know, no one's going to pay attention unless there's numbers involved. Right. So, mm. but then like I kept just coming up against just white people being annoying. And I was just like, <laughs> and I was like, and at the same time, which had nothing to do with school, I was like in treatment. I was like seeing a doctor and stuff like that. And I was realizing how much that had affected me growing up like my teachers discounting my feelings and so forth. And I was like, this is this shit again. Uh, and like, I started to connect my whole life together and realize that like, no, 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 there you, you are the subject. Uh, like I, I need to, yes. to, why are you, why are you like this? Yes. Um, yes. um, and you know, so I turned it around and I think one of the things that I hope is true because, uh, there has been a, difference in my writing since I really turned the mirror around on the people who had been you know is that they mm -hmm. let me they let me pretty far into the door right like I went to some quote-unquote exclusive fancy schools right and so I know about these people <laughs> like this was that was I spent, this is my deck it was decades of field work let's put it that way and uh, mm -hmm. I, I know more than I think that they would like for someone who doesn't like what they do to know Mm, uh, right <laughs> like very like I, I'm well aware that like the H index is bullshit and all that like you know like I'm well aware that like you know just trying to hire one of us is not going to change anything you know um mm -hmm. and we're not supposed to know that <laughs> like they don't want us to know they want us to buy yes. buy into yes just yes. buy into it you know and um they can't because I, I, I've been surprised that I haven't received as much pushback as I expected doing this sort of work. Not that really? people don't, not that people don't criticize me, but it's usually ridiculous when they do. Like, I don't get a lot of substantive arguments. I get people who are just mad, which, you know, go over there. But like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, but like, but they don't really have, because of, these are these, these these things that we're saying are true, right? If if you mm. tell somebody what you're telling them, they might say you have to do this, but they can't give you a reason other than that's just mm. the way it's done, right? Mm. Because that's the mm -hmm. reason most of the time. It's just that's just the way it's done, and that's not a reason. Mm. <laughs> like that's that's just like a parent saying because I said so, which I know now because I have a child. Yeah. Um. Yeah. At some yeah. point, I just have to tell them like exactly. No. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> right well, you know there's mm -hmm. a limit there's a limit to it but sometimes it's like no you you can't you can't do that baby mm -hmm. you know and that's what mm -hmm. I think that, that I mean I'm joking but I'm not really joking like yeah. they, what they're telling us is that mm -hmm. no you can't do that because and they don't really have a because mm -hmm. it's because this is mm -hmm. the way it's done 
uh, and it will not be accepted if it, one of the things that happened to me, not happened to me, but that I was mm -hmm. doing this past year was that I was, you know, I got some shine. I guess on, I had some interviews and stuff talking about like Black Lives Matter and um, like the pandemic pods. You know, you saw me talking about that stuff, right? And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. someone messaged me and asked me if I wanted to write an article for one of those journals. I was like, are you, are you sure? Because I don't write the kinds of articles that ends up in those journals. I just don't write that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and she said, yeah, 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 go ahead, write the article. So I said, okay. So I took some time, wrote mm -hmm. the article. I said, I, this is not going to be a typical thing. This is going to be like an argument, conceptual, like I don't have any data on this. These things just happened, right? Mm -hmm. um, yes. this, this is going to be part of the problem a lot of the time is that academia is so damn slow that like, yes. you know, like this oh. stuff is happening right now, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Anything yes. that comes, if you, if according to the way that academia thinks of itself, anything that's studied right now is not gonna have enough time to really be verified within its own rules. So you can't really react to things while it's happening. You can't, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you know, by, you know, you read an article and it's in, it's published today. And sometimes it's like, this study was conducted in 2013. It's like, well, I mean, you know, yes. <laughs> like, yes. I'm like, what has happened since then? Like, you're like, we right. interviewed these five people and they did these things. I'm like, what have they done since then? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, everything you do is going to necessarily finish when it comes out. Right. Like, obviously you can't write into the future, but like you, you, <laughs> you, you don't, you know, it's just, you're talking about they publishing articles based on like their their decade of field work or whatever time they did this like mm -hmm. and then they're just like and i'm done i finished mm -hmm. but interestingly though so that's the problem that uh i'm seeing with the current coup situation in myanmar though is that i know that all the academics are really slow and writing and all that but with this coup situation it's everybody has somehow all these western experts and academics are somehow come up with the predictions or like some analysis on the coup and why did why the coup happened and what, what's gonna happen in Naismith, what's, what, what's gonna mean for the democracy in Myanmar. And I, like, as a Bombay person, like take out my academic like side of things, whatever, like academic identity, right? As a Bombay person, just reading those things, I'm just like, really? Okay, so it, this is like, it's like, it makes me feel like Bama is just basically this, and you know, under the specimen, or in that matter, like any any parts of the you know uh, global south, right? Those are just under uh, the specimen where people could just come and oh, take a look at this. There is a you know some uh, kind of uh, uh, um, a morphing happening, like you know, like in the chemistry molecules are interacting, like so this That's is going to exactly happen this way, like right? And I I just got so frustrated by that. I'm like, I don't need your analysis. And another thing is also all a lot of all these analysis that are coming up, right? like very hot takes uh, on Obama right now are also published on like Washington Post, New York Times, like all these really fancy, even in the like op at like um, platforms, right? Not even academic channels, which are still very much uh, have this high paywall platforms. And I'm like, and they're all written in English. I'm like, Bobby's People can't even read and understand what that means for the democracy in Obama. Like here, like they're like debating, like, oh no, I think, you know, this is gonna happen this way, that way. I'm just like, really? Like, can you give us a, a break on this? So, 
Yeah, and I see this a lot uh, among the, the like a kind of like a white icebergs who call themselves expert, right? They're not even necessarily a Kerameis, actually, most of the time, most of them are like journalists who's been living in Southeast Asia for, I don't know, whatever, how long years, and they have all these opinions that they want to talk about, blah, blah, right? Yeah, they always so, yeah. have opinions, um, <laughs> opinions. <laughs> you know, and they, yeah, that what you talk about, like the microscope or the Petri dish, like, you know, like that's what it feels like sometimes, you know, and um, it sort of re reminds, because anything is like, whether it's academic or whether it's, um, you know, public facing, I, those things shouldn't be different, but they kind of are, um, <laughs> is, you know, like, they're talking to themselves, right? <laughs> even even if it's the Washington Post and New York Times where a lot of people are going to read it, so it's a large audience, but it's not that, you know, like... Oh, really? Who is really the audience? Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. The audience is, even if there are people reading it, the audience is the worst, right? Right. There is this imperial power, right, somehow, looking onto these other, right? let's talk about the other and there are all these tomboys happening over there Ooh, like, you know yeah, yeah we, we are so safe like you know we, we get we get one we get one you know international conflict at a time and we're like oh what's going on over there oh wow that's that's ridiculous i can't believe because it's always so exoticized right you know there's an or there's, there's there's just a global south issue there's you know, there's an Orientalism thing going on, right? You know, there's, um, it's just, just so different. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm just like, we literally just had a coup, but like, it's just, it's exactly. just, that it, just that it failed. But like, and, and it failed because the military doesn't like him. I mean, that's really what happened. Like that he didn't mm -hmm. have, he did not have the military. That's really, right. <laughs> you know. Um, so, you know, because if you had the military, you can kind of do what you want and the military didn't like it. Um, so, you know, like, because he kept disrespecting them. It's like, that's not smart, man. Um, if you were gonna take over the country, you need them anyway, not about him. But the, the point is like the, it's, it's, it's just, it's, I can't relate to it being a different country because I live here, but mm -hmm. it's still when they talk like this summer, especially talking about like, mm -hmm. you know, like I was in the park um, last June, which is a park in front of my apartment building. And mm -hmm. uh, I had, you know, my baby was with me. He was only a few months old at the time. And I had my dog and the dog was going to the bathroom or whatever, right? And so another dog comes mm -hmm. up and the dog owner comes up to me, right? And mm -hmm. um, so I see she's wearing a shirt from a, a, a school. She's a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. um, she's like, it's, it's like a charter school, right? But it's in, so it's the name of the school, right? And I said, oh, you're a teacher, right? And she said, yeah. I said, oh, yeah. So I said, I'm an you know, education student, whatever. And she said, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I teach, I forget what she said, high school math, whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter what she said. It's some mm -hmm. subject. She goes, mm -hmm. yeah, usually I, I, I teach, you know, high school math. But these days, I walk the streets for you, right? And I was like, oh. <laughs> she pointed at my son. The you was my son, right? And so she was like, oh. yeah, it's just like, she's like, I walk the streets for you uh and I was like wow. all right, okay lady wow. all right so uh, <laughs> it's just like I, 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 I think it, yeah it was just sort of like 
Ibram, I, I did this dumb stuff sometimes when I was younger, when it came to far, far away places that I didn't know anything about. And, you know, I, you know, like when Darfur was, was, was where there's genocide in Darfur and we all wore bracelets. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna wear a bracelet because I care. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any excuse, but I was like 19. And so I'm just thinking like, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. If I just mm-hmm. spend this $1, then I have mm-hmm. solved the problem. Mm-hmm. This is what this is all I need to do is I had and I have the bracelet and it shows that I care and everybody had, there was a bracelet there was a yellow and an orange bracelet all had a bracelet right but if anybody can mm-hmm. come up with a, a simple way what they call it slacktivism right uh, to do something uh, they will they will do it you know mm-hmm. you know sometimes mm-hmm. you know when I think about the, all the ideas I have and I'm just like this is you're not gonna be able to make a living doing that uh, I'm just like what is a cynical way that I can get one dollar out of everybody <laughs> like what, what can I sell that you know that I can convince these white people that they're saving somebody mm-hmm. and just take the money uh, mm-hmm. and just like give up mm-hmm. on helping people just like, I'm just gonna take the money uh, I'm not actually gonna do that but I just sometimes, <laughs> I, just, I, sometimes I, I mean, because like, you know, you sometimes you just know you're not going to succeed that the things I want to do are so broad that I don't know how successful I'll be. And, you know, sometimes I'm just like, what if I just sold them mm-hmm. a plate that said like, for in your case, like you sold them a plate that says like, this is a special traditional Burmese plate. If you buy this plate, yes, you are, you are yes. helping the Burmese people and you just leave um <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah yeah they would do it they would do yeah. it yeah yeah I think I think that's also the problem right because because I feel like when I complain right okay I will just use the term complain when I complain about these white people like messing or whatever right they're like oh so you want you want us to like keep quiet right we cannot keep quiet so I'm like <laughs> you know I'm not talking about keeping quiet or here like so so I, I just recently posted right I mean like last week or something about why love right once so there is a the whole movement in, in, in after the coup in Myanmar a lot of the protesters were using the slogans like save Myanmar and usually they are talking to U.S. and they want the U.S. military to come into Bama and like fight against the Bama military and all that right I mean, there so so many um, complications with that too but but uh, so after that, the, you know, like uh, U.S. people are like, OK, yeah, you know, we got to really like save whatever. And all of these like U.N. and U.S., like Joe Biden and all of them have also issued so many statements now talking about how they are so concerned about the situation there. There are so many, so many multiple statements of concerns. Right. But um, the problem is then like after that, uh, I posted that uh, post about why love, right, talking about referring back to this uh, Filipino historian who wrote about this kind of uh, the, the reason why the U.S. imperialism kind of succeed and like uh, took place in the Philippines, right, using this rhetoric of love, actually talking about how we, na- we have to, like, you know, save these brown people, our brown brothers, right, over there, and they are so naive, they don't know how to kind of function their own military, and the only thing they know is they know only how to imitate. So we have to then show them the good way that they will imitate, right? So of course, there's not really a direct, really, there's no, not so much that we can talk about white love, but there is definitely white love from a lot of British 
white British European, like white European people in Burma. So I pointed out that, like I said, you know, yeah, we can take their help. Like, yeah, if they're gonna donate money and whatever to the clinics and everything, just take that. We don't have to, because of that, we don't have to worship them like, you know, God, oh my God, thank you so much or whatever. And I just got like these DMs from my, actually from my undergrad, Elma Motors, like from Queens College, friend who is also, was also majoring that time in anthropology, right? That's why I said so many problems with anthropology too, like a bunch of white people thinking that they're gonna study about the other world and like so fascinated by the rest of the world, right? So he sent me a message saying like, you know, I get, right, you know, I get what you, I, I, I feel for you. He said, okay, I feel for you, but like a lot, lot of the things that you're saying are what racist to white people. Uh... <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, seriously, you wanted to start this conversation with I feel for you and then like, I was just like, <laughs> and you know, he said, if you wanted to get help from people, and then, then you should not also bash those people who are helping you. And I'm like, wow, okay. So, you know, I was like, I just got like, like I, on, the, on the top of my head, I did not know how to respond to that. But then I, I just like, said that I have never begged for any help from any white person. So I don't know why you think that. And then second of all, there's no such thing as reverse racism to white people. So thank you. And he's like, okay, I think this is a very personal matter to you. Goodbye. And he just blocked, blocked me. So yeah, it is very personal to me because personal, the feelings, what I feel about you and the love that white people feel for brown people and black people is all personal. It's all intimate and it's political too. So thank you, <laughs> you know, but I just got like so angry because he just like blocked me because I cannot say all of those things. <laughs> he just blocked me and out, <laughs> you know, but uh yeah, that um, is not surprising, unfortunately. I uh, I don't know what to say about it. It just seems like it's it's just sort of normal, honestly. You know, because that that you know I, that I talk about this a lot, right? Where I mm -hmm. point out these these criticisms, like I was just saying about anti-racism and decolonize, right? Um, and like when I point out when I critique these things, you know, you get some people who say like. Well, what do you want me to do about it? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and or they say, well, well, what you think you're not grateful for what I did? And I'm just like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but but to me, and I, I, I've been mentioning this a lot because it's a chapter I'm working on, but it's like, mm -hmm. it's I, I think I call it like the, the, you know, the checklists and the merit badges, right? You know, people want, they, they, they need a checklist. So if I do these three things, then I did it. I did mm. it, right? You know, um, mm. I fixed the bad people, right? Who needed help. Um, and then there's the merit badges, which is like, um, you know, like whether it's anti-racism or decolonize or something, something that, because I, I posted something on Twitter couple of days ago about how learning loss is nonsense right and a lot of people liked it right and you mm -hmm. know good um and a lot of and you, I know when it's sort of gone outside of my circle when it gets more than like 100 people to like it because then it's usually somebody saw it and so mm -hmm. I, I'm just looking at who who likes it and usually mm -hmm. when when people like things I say I, I go and I follow a bunch of them back because they seem interesting a lot of these people or is that the kind of people I'm talking about? And I'm just like, what do you, 
I, I said in a tweet after that, I'm like, all right, you all following me now. You okay? Um, <laughs> you see if you if you still like me after this, um, right? Because because so many of the people I go in their profiles and it's like white lady from this place saying like anti racist teacher, and I'm like, okay, really? I mean, that's better than being a racist teacher, but mm. like you know, if you, I just. If you knew enough about anti-racism or decolonizing, but this is just what they're doing, you know you can't really ever get all the way there, right? Like, and and you also know with 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 any kind of support you're giving, you got to be giving it because it's the right thing to do, not because mm -hmm. it's going to make you look good. You can right. feel good about it. I don't care how you feel. How you feel doesn't matter to me. I just don't want to know how you feel. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like go mm -hmm. ahead and go ahead and feel proud of yourself. Yeah. I don't care. If the money, the money doesn't care how you feel. You know, <laughs> like the time mm -hmm. doesn't care how you feel. Like go ahead. Mm -hmm. You can give a hundred dollars and you feel you know good about doing it, or you give a hundred dollars and you don't feel any type of way about it. The money does not know. <laughs> I feel like like at this point, I feel like the well, at this point, I have also stayed away from explicitly racist white people, right? Well, yeah, or explicitly yeah. racist people in general. So I don't really know what they are thinking. I don't talk to those people. Like I just, for my own mental health, I just stay away from them. But the people that I see, uh, I'm surrounded, in, especially in Colorado, right, where I go to school is majorly, predominantly white people. And like, even in my program, like there are only four other Asian people and there's only one black professor. And, you know, she had to even like take kind of a space when all of this was happening in the summer and all of the other people of color on campus kind of take, you know, in charge in protecting even the space for a lot of black folks on campus, right? But like, so the, I feel like I, I have now much more kind of problem, like, I don't know for like a better word, problem with these, these similarly woke white people. Like they tend to have this, all these good intention, right? Like let's talk about, yeah, the whole decolonization or let's talk about like, you know, let's, let's include, uh, yeah, like a week on the, you know, talk about the black feminist anthropologist work and like, you know, but then it's just so at the surface level that, you know, in these conversations, they actually still really don't care. And when we then wanted to point out, like we then really truly want to have a, yeah, okay. So then let's have a conversation about how, people of color or like minoritized group in our classroom might feel those these conversations are just shut down right so in one of the one of the example like in one of my grad seminar i remember it was a you know important like mandatory class that i have to take and i hate to take it because i hate theory right like i i, I don't like like these old raising all these old, old white french people theory so we're just talking about suicide we're talking about dark but also kamikaze in japan right because obviously i don't i'm not even from japan and i don't know so much about the japanese history so but i would like to kind of hear this perspective right how, how the ways in which the dark kong theorized suicide how is it different for like kamikaze right because and then it would just kind of shut down as like oh you know yeah it, it's just the same as dark kong like I said, how could it be the same as dark time? Like, I don't think so, <laughs> you know? Well, whatever the ways that he theorized in Europe versus Japan, like different time and everything, can we just at least have a conversation to help me understand from my perspective, to understand this theory, right? From my positionality. And that being a, like a, 
a teacher, they don't want to do that. But then, of course, now it's so popping to then assign, you know, Sura New Harston, which is the only a black female anthropologist. Now everybody is signing Sura New Harston. Everybody is citing Sura New Harston. All of a sudden, like, yes, like Sura New Harston. And then you are then all of a sudden feminist decolonial anthropologist because you're teaching Harston's work. But then before, you never even actually recognize her because she didn't even have a PhD in anthropology. She loved academia, like, you know. So I'm like, okay, like, you know, so, and recently also I read this uh, blog post, I forgot on which platform I read it, but, but it, it's the title is called Notes on Fake Decolonization, right? That talks about uh, how the term, even the, the decolonization and the whole concept has been co-opted by academics, just mainly become another theory. Yeah, I do the decolonial scholarship. Okay, what does it mean? Does that mean that you are returning land into the native indigenous people in the US? No, 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 they stay own lands up in the mountains in Colorado, like, you know? So I'm like, okay, what decolonial scholarship are you doing? Like, you know, what does it mean to do decolonial scholarship in the field that you're working on? Like, you know, okay, it, it will look very different in different places and different contexts to do decolonial scholarship in Bama versus like New York City versus like, you know, Colorado, like, I don't know. So I'm like kind of at this point, like to be honest, really, really losing, I don't know, hope on this whole Akeshabia thing. <laughs> like, just, I don't know how you feel. I'm like, I am really exhausted. Like, this is how I feel. Like, I don't know. And I don't know where this is going, so. I, uh, yeah, I went back to school a few years ago and, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do afterwards. Um, and I don't know if I still don't really know if I want to know what I want to do. Um, but like, I still, I, I, I thought pragmatically that people were only going to take me so seriously if I didn't have that degree. And I wanted to say something that I thought was original. And there were certain things that I've learned in my program that I wouldn't have learned if I hadn't been in the program, right? That's not mm -hmm. academia per se, that's simply just there's things I learned about academia. There's things that I simply learned and just sort of chewed over and just, I hadn't been in class in a long time. So that was useful. Mm. But <laughs> what I really like, I, I'm at, I'm finally at the age and the maturity or experience, whatever you want to call it, where um, I guess I just, I'm too just, jaded to just go along like you know in my program it, you know we they're teaching us what it's not their fault I mean it's not good but it's not their fault they're teaching us the traditional way to go about writing academic work right because mm -hmm. what else are they going to teach us mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> like if, if they're going to teach mm -hmm. something that's how you're what you're going to teach they say here's what it is and they'll tell us like look at these journals and see what's in there and if you want to write for these journals try to mimic their style and I'm like I don't mimic style yeah. I can't do it <laughs> yeah. I, could, I, I, mean, I don't I can't do it and do a good job you know um and I had um like I can do it but I, I just it's painful that's what's extractive from me is when I have to try to write like them um yes. I I had a professor who told me, you know, take yourself out of the writing, you know, mm. um, write, you know, and this, you know, and you need to, to get 
data on each thing that you say. I understand if I was making some broad claim, I need data. You know, if I was going to come up with a number, I can't just make up the number. But I mean, like, I was literally, she wanted me to get citations on like racism, mm. just it existing. Um, and, mm. you know, all of these, like, just, just every framework. I don't mean the theoretical frameworks, but I mean, like, every, like, mm. You know, talking about the implicit bias and all that stuff and the mm. tests and so forth. And, and, you know, I just like one of the things that made me realize is how little these just the numbers matter. They just don't matter because no matter what numbers you make up, if you're working towards the number, you're not actually working towards the thing that's necessary. Right. You mm. know, the, the checklist and merit badges thing, the ultimate conclusion of that is that what we really need. And this is probably a good place for us to sort of wrap up the discussion anyway, is that what mm -hmm. we really need is, is, is radical love, right? The sort of Frarian concepts, mm -hmm. not just Frary, but, you know, um, of like mm -hmm. genuinely showing love to people, not the sort of top down love that we do, right? The, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. we, I took this line out of there because it was kind of rude, but I said there, I think these people are capable of love the same way they're capable of loving their pets. Like, you know, and I have a dog, so, but still, it's just like, I think they're capable of this sort of really distant love that the person or the creature mm. is, is always going to be subordinate, you know? And I'm not saying that about everybody who has a pet. I'm saying that the people who do this treat people the way they might treat a pet. Mm. Um, and I love my mm -hmm. dog. He's, he's on my foot right now. So I'm not saying that pets are bad uh but you know it's 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 just sort of like i don't think unless we do something and i don't know what the something is to really like genuinely shake the foundations of the system uh that you know we're ever really going to be safe and here's the thing that's upsetting how big, how much bigger of a shock to the system could there be than what has happened in the last year? And yet the system seems like it's pretty much the same. Mm. Exactly. Like exactly. this is, this happened mm -hmm. and things are the same. <laughs> like for college, you know, you know, like aside from them cutting budgets, yeah. but they were doing yeah. that anyway. They were, it's just an excuse to cut the budget. You know, they were already doing that. Mm -hmm. So, but like, how much bigger of a shock to the system could there be than this and by 2022 or whatever things are they're just going to be doing what they were doing before yeah exactly. and, how, and how many conferences and papers are going to be published about the coup in myanmar and people are going to present on it <laughs> and talk about you know uh comparisons to before and afterwards and you know, yeah. we need to go over there and teach them democracy or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, and that's what made me lose hope <laughs> because I don't know <laughs> what the future holds. Uh, I I don't know. <laughs> we are, I feel like we are kind of wrapping up in a very uh, solemn tone, but. <laughs> I mean, it's true though, right? We, you know, I don't want to, and the only thing that gives me hope is that there really are a lot of, the, the, the one thing that I think that has happened in this past year or so that has been hopeful 
is that I have spent a lot more time connecting with people through the internet than I would have otherwise. I still would have done it to some extent, but like considering I'm basically on the internet all day, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, there mm-hmm. are a lot more mm-hmm. conversations that I wouldn't have had, connections. I, you know, I don't know that we, we you know, all of this stuff would have occurred. Um, and not that that mm-hmm. is a good thing considering all the bad stuff that's happened, but it has mm-hmm. given me the hope that as messed up as the system of academia, as the, the general practices of research and methods are, there really are a lot of people out there who are like real people. Like there's a lot, there's a lot more than I even knew. Yeah, I think I will have to agree with you. Yes, there's a little light. I'm so glad that, you know, <laughs> I get to meet you virtually now too. And also there are a couple of people. I also got uh, started a podcast, Bami's podcast with a colleague based in Yangon over the virtually before the coup. So yeah, you're right. I guess people are the hope. <laughs> I mean, if we all come together and collaborate, right? I mean, that's the goal. I would love to collaborate with everybody. Um, well, we'll, go, so. we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but um, I think that's the only thing, like you said, pe- people are the hope. Yes. Uh, there's, I don't know that there is a system that will not be corrupted because I think that's just what systems are. Yeah. All right, Chuv. So uh, thanks for joining me in this conversation, which ended on a very positive note. Um, yeah. It's like <laughs> but, a roller coaster up and down. <laughs> um, but if you have any final thing you wanted to share about either, you know, what's going on or just sort of the, the frustration you were having, this is the time. No, no, I think this has been a really actually open, I would say, honest conversation that I've had with another person from Akeramia. So I really appreciate this time that you've given me. So, you know, thank you for inviting me to join this episode. I think that that is one of the few things that I know that I'm good at is that I don't have the patience to pretend anymore. So I don't do it. That's great. That's great. I love it. (laughs) 